climate change, poverty, mental health, young people and adults face a world of constant change. It's the connections we make, innovations and education that come together to help us make a difference. Welcome to the power of young people to change the world. In this program, we bring together leaders that share stories designed to inspire you to serve, learn, and change the world. Now, here's your host, Amy Muirs. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to The Power of Young People to Change the World. I'm your host, Amy Muirs, and I'm here every Thursday on Voice America Empowerment Radio, where we explore how young people are using their ideas, creativity, and passion to shape a better world, and how educators are utilizing the power of service learning to redesign education. Our guests on today's show are from an organization that is truly redesigning education through service learning. So Global Brigades is an international nonprofit that for the past 15 years has focused on empowering communities to lead their own way out of poverty. By tackling challenges in health and economics, they're in countries like Ghana, Greece, Guatemala, Honduras, Nicaragua, and Panama. Their service learning model is student-funded social responsibility, and the impacts are absolutely amazing. So to date, Global Brigades has recruited more than 83,000 students from over 400 universities who've helped fundraise more than $100 million in aid. Again, fundraised more than $100 million in aid. So it's through these efforts by these young people, they've provided 1.5 million patients with medical and dental treatments. They've established 106 community banks that gave 12,000 loans and invested nearly $700,000 in local businesses and communities. They've also installed 56 water systems, bringing clean water, drinkable water to more than 32,000 people. Talk about impact by young people. So joining me today to share more about these incredible efforts is the co-founder and CC, sorry, co-founder and CEO of Global Brigades, Dr. Shishal Vora. She's also the founder of the nonprofit's very first medical brigade in 2003 when she was an undergraduate at Marquette University. So she had her very own service learning experience with this organization that I hope she's going to share a little bit more about it, uh, about that with us. And then joining Dr. Vital is college student Zachary Roberts. Zach is a graduate student at the University of Florida. He's studying international business with a certificate in sustainable development Way to go, Zach. Um, Zach's the university's president of the Global Brigades business chapter. And then also joining us are two high school students. So we have Edgar Omar Ortega. He's a student at Dana Hills High School in Dana Point, California. He's a member of the Global Brigades Telesquad program. Edgar also shares his leadership and voice by sitting on his city's youth advisory board, which amazing. So I hope you touch on that a little bit, Edgar, because the fact that your city has the Youth Advisory Board, we want to do a huge, like, way to go. And he's also the vice president of his school's Interact Club. So um, his uh, working with the Rotary um, through Interact Club. 
And then we have Elle Bernight. Elle is also from Dana Hill, and she's a member of the Medical Telesquad. So she's an advocate for health equity and inclusion. Um, she is a leader in her school's Best Buddies program, which sounds phenomenal. Um, so Best Buddies um, empowers one-on-one friendships with peers who live with differences um, that can be used to make them feel left out. So um, I hope we hear a little bit about that as well. I have so many questions for each of you. I want to thank you for being here and welcome to the show. So, um, Dr. Vora, I would love to start um, with you. I have so many questions. Can you share um, a little bit more about your background and the, the experiences that led you to this amazing work? Actually, Amy, I was a youth when we created Global Brigades back in 2003. During my sophomore year at Marquette University in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, I was sitting down and lamenting with my friend that the physical therapy program that I was in, the track that I was on, really didn't allow me to study abroad because we had classes every single semester, which also included summers. We only really had a break during spring and then a break during winter. And so my friend in that conversation had mentioned that he had a neighbor back home that was a physician, and he had done these annual trips to Honduras to treat patients in need. And so I thought I'd go out on a limb and ask him if I could join along during the upcoming spring break that I had and possibly bring a few more students along with me that were kind of in a similar situation. So about two months later, uh, 20 of us uh, from that very first brigade with Marquette, we went um, and landed in Honduras. And what we thought during that week, we would just be lugging medication around and, you know, be the go-fors, the go for this and the go for that, really the legs that were running from place to place on the medical brigade. But we were just so amazed by the impact that we were able to make, even as undergrads, just in one week, in seven days, the amount of impact was just tremendous. And for me, it was just truly a life-changing and transformational experience. I remember being in the community for the very first time and meeting with a few women, and they shared so much about their lives what they hoped for for their children, and what they truly wanted for future generations in their community. And there is one conversation in particular that um, I had in the community, and it was with a woman named Nady. And Nady was sitting in the shaded classroom. We were in the classroom on the medical brigade, and we talked for quite some time. We had a little break during the day and just conversed together. She was just so full of charisma and joy. I just remember that she was kind of brimming with it. And she just couldn't wrap her head around the fact that so many people had flown miles and miles to help the people of their community. And what really what stood out the most in the conversation with Nady was that she just saw so much, she shared that there was so much potential in improving the lives of everyone in their community. But then there was just simple resources that were just lacking. And I will always remember when she shared that thought with me, how full of hope, even though that was more of a difficult thought that she shared, that she was just so full of hope with that comment. And for me, that was the aha moment. I always thought that I was going to be working as a physical therapist, but that very first brigade experience changed who I was at a really fundamental level. I had this 
strong and really innate desire to continue the mission of helping these communities. And then also just wanted other students who were exactly like in my position to experience what I had. It was that much of an incredible experience that I didn't want to just have that for me. I wanted to make sure that other students had that experience as well. So we returned back to campus after that week-long trip, and we were just so excited to be able to get involved and do this type of experience again and keep doing those types of experience. So we looked for those opportunities. And back then, there was Doctors Without Borders, but you had to be a licensed professional, which clearly as undergraduate students, none of us really were. And then there was Peace Corps, but you had to have, uh, you had to make a long-term about two-year commitment, which was really hard to do with our undergraduate schedules. So because there was nothing for students like us, we decided to take that leap of faith and go out, go out on a whim and again, create our very own organization. And that was the first step in the journey of creating Global Brigades. So now let's fast forward. 18 years and Global Brigades is now the largest student-led humanitarian organization in the world. And we have more than 500 university and high school chapters. And, you know, I'm always just so blown away by the impact that we made. And Amy, I know you mentioned it in our intro, but I, I do want to take a second to reiterate that impact because it's truly phenomenal. And we've had over 83,000 students and just to participate in our program, and just to put that into perspective, that's about six times the number of students that currently attend University of Notre Dame. So that many students have gone through our programs. And then Amy, as you mentioned, you know, the aid that has been great fundraised by our students has been about $100 million. And that aid has provided up 1.5 million patients with the medical and dental treatments. And, you know, I always want to put that into perspective, you know, what does that number mean? And 1.5 million is almost one and a half times the number of hospital beds in the entire U.S. So again, the aid that we've been, that we've been able to, uh, the aid that has been fundraised with, you know, 136 community banks, 56 water systems, bringing clean drinking water to over 32,000 people is just tremendous impact that we've made. So then, as we all know, last March, COVID hits, and then there's no more travel, and then there's no more in-country brigades. But the thing is, is that we had these goals and we had these commitments in our communities that we could absolutely not pause on, nor can we leave behind, right? That was something that was at the forefront of our thought. So we quickly put our heads together and we decided to pivot to virtual teleprograms. And what virtual teleprograms are is that Zoom, instead of airplanes, are whisking these students away to the countries that we work in, which is Ghana, Greece, Honduras, Nicaragua, Panama, and Guatemala. And these virtual programs are a way for students to continue to stay involved and while they're still making that lasting impact in the community. So they're never really leaving their laptops, they're not leaving their dorm rooms, but to be able to still make that community impact through the virtual teleprograms is incredible. And it's still a truly transformational experience. And that was something that hasn't changed with the organization in terms of making that impact since day one. That's amazing. I, um, I think there are so many things that you just talked about that resonate with me. Um, 
But that connection, so the young people are getting just as much as they're giving and how important that is um, to your organization, obviously, but to uh, to service learning. It's not about going in and, and saving people um, in these countries. It's about going in and being of service and and you're getting so much more, sometimes so much more than you're giving. And so um, it's this mutually beneficial, beautiful relationship. So um, it's an amazing experience, I have to imagine, for, for college students and high school students alike. So I'm really excited to um, hear from our students. But we are going to take a short break. And then when we return, we'll continue our conversation with our guests from Global Brigades. We'll get to hear some student perspectives. So stay with us on the power of young people to change the world. Voice American Empowerment Radio. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. For nearly 40 years, the Minnesota-based National Youth Leadership Council has worked globally to transform classrooms, empower teachers, and captivate students by leading the way in providing high-quality, dynamic service learning content to school districts, classrooms, after-school programs, and everything in between. NYLC accelerates student achievement by strengthening academic, civic, and character outcomes through service learning. They tap into the passion, creativity, and ingenuity of all young people to make meaningful change happen. NYLC offers a variety of paths to reach service learning excellence through membership, its annual spring national service learning conference, customized professional development, tools, resources, and soon to be released, Getting Started in Service Learning, a book designed for teachers ready to lead the way to address real-world issues with all young people, inspiring them to serve, learn, change the world. Visit nylc.org to learn more today. Unravel the mysteries of metaphysics every week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Join host Barb Crowley as she and her insightful guest share what's been learned behind the veil, going just beyond our five senses. Now you can see things with an entirely different point of view. Tune in for Metaphysics, a view through the veil, broadcasting live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Use it to explore your advantage and deeper understanding. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to The Power of Young People to Change the World with Amy Muirs. To find out more about Amy and the National Youth Leadership Council, please visit NYLC.org. Now back to the show. So welcome back, everyone. So today I'm joined by the co-founder and CEO of Global Brigades, Dr. Shishal Bora, and college student Zachary Roberts, and high school students Edgar Omar Ortega and El Bernight. Again, I want to thank you all for joining me here today. So before we jump in with our students a little bit, Dr. Bora, I'm hoping, can you tell us a little bit more about Global Brigades today? Kind of what's the mission and what exactly do the students do? Our mission, Amy, is to inspire, mobilize, and collaborate with communities to achieve their own health and economic goals. 
And what we do is we do that with a completely different model than other development organizations. So Global Brigades, we're not simply just going into a community and providing a week's worth of free doctor's visit or just building a single school. We're making long-term commitments to resource-limited communities around the world. And then what we're doing is empowering them to become sustainables for generations to come. So I'm gonna use a familiar analogy to really paint that picture. We're not just teaching communities to fish. We're providing them with a boat, we're providing them with a rod so that they're fishing long after we've left. And then I'm gonna take that fishing analogy just one step further. So what is Global Brigade's boat in this instance? And over the years that we've worked in the communities, we've learned that it's really based on three key elements. And those three key elements to become self-sustainable are access to healthcare, access to clean water, and then access to capital. So that healthcare, water, and access to funds make up our Global Brigade's holistic model. And that is impacting the community, but also making it self-sustainable. And one thing that's really important to note in this model and in our methodology is that community involvement is weaved in throughout the process. So community members are involved every single step of the way. So when we pivoted, our pivot was so successful with virtual experiential learning. And it was possible because we have full-time in-country staff that are on the ground and they're full ensuring that we fulfill our commitments in our communities over two to five years. So if we did not have those hundreds of dedicated in-country staff, we would not have had the ability to pivot so quickly. So the last part of your question was, um, how are high school and college students involved? So Global Brigades funds its program programs, its leadership development, and then its administrative costs, largely through the fundraising efforts of our university chapters around the world, and then also the fees that our high school students are paying to engage a classroom of students with our virtual curriculum. So college students, what they're doing is that they're forming their own campus chapters, and then they're self-governing, they're fundraising, and then they're planning their in-country travel or planning their telebrigades via Zoom. And then our high school students, and now even middle school students are participating. We're working with the schools directly and the school districts, and then offering the telesquad program. And then when they travel in-country, the squads abroad program. That is so exciting. And so I'm really excited to hear um, from, from our college student in our mix, Zach. What's your experience been like with Global Brigades? Like, where did you serve and kind of what, what did you do? Um, we know you're, you're the chapter president, but what, what does that look like for you? Hey, Amy. Um, first of all, I want to say thank you for having me and allowing me to share my experience um, being a part of the business chapter at the University of Florida. Um, yeah, I've, I've participated in three uh, separate business brigades to Panama and they've been pretty different experiences, each one. Um, the first was in person in December, 2019. And then since then I've had the opportunity to be a part of two telebrigades. Um, and each were just really incredible learning experiences. Um, my time with Global Brigades as a whole has really shifted my perspective um, on the world. Uh, so my first brigade, um, we offered support to one of the Global Brigades community banks that she had previously talked about. Um, we were conducting an audit, digitizing their bank records. In addition, we just 
um, really worked with the community members and got to know them and what they needed and sort of taught them how to use Excel in order to better keep future records for their banks. Um, so they didn't have to continue just doing it on paper and they were able to do it on a computer. Uh, and then on the two telebrigades, I was doing micro uh, enterprise consulting, working with two different inspiring women who own their own businesses. One of the women even owns two separate businesses. Um, we offered support in areas such as profit analysis, marketing, operations, record keeping. And in addition, we offered financial education to the communities at large in community workshops. Uh, and then honestly, one of the biggest challenges has been, like you said, as a chapter president, um, I became the president just about a year ago uh, in May of 2020. So in the midst of a pandemic and um, just being able to tell everyone that I know about this experience that I'm having, recruiting, um, hosting biweekly meetings uh, in order to just keep people involved has really been a challenge, but but a good challenge in order to keep um, global business business brigades active at the University of Florida. That's awesome. So, um, Zach, could you just define micro enterprise for us? Just make sure everyone knows what you meant when you said that. Yeah, I I don't know if it's an exact definition, but these were women who basically were working by themselves um, in order to just provide for themselves or their own family. Um, and so, you know, they don't have any employees or, or maybe their, you know, their daughter, their son would work for them, but that was really the extent of it. It wasn't, um, you know, any kind of larger business. Great. Thank you. I just want to make sure everyone understood, um, the kind of, um, amazing work that you're doing. I mean, everything from teaching Excel to, um, advising. So taking and putting your business degree to use, um, right away. Um, can you, so Hopefully, I was kind of leading you a little bit into this next question, but so can you talk about why these experiences are important for college students? Yeah, well, I can jump to that part first and have another little thing to touch on. But like you said, the experiential learning of being able to learn something in like a, a microeconomics or uh, an accounting class. So, you know, you learn the, the profit equation in most economics classes, but it doesn't seem... Um, as, as real until you can go and you can look at what a business is doing and actually go and determine whether they're making profit on the things that they're selling. And so that's, um, that experiential learning is, is really a big part of why, why I believe Global Brigades is important. And then the other thing is, um, you know, especially this, this past year, the college experience is just such a day-to-day grind. Um, there are days and even weeks where it feels like you never leave your computer um, or, you know, class in a typical year. Uh, and then in addition to that, a lot of colleges just focusing on yourself, um, particularly in the college of business, uh, it just feels like everything's studying and doing schoolwork and you're trying to get better grades and get a better job. And even if you're like working out or you're taking on a job, all that's, you know, about you. And so just having the opportunity to be able to give back and take some of your time, it doesn't have to be a lot, but, um, is, is a, really incredible change of pace and really builds you up and motivates you to just be able to attack every other part of your college life. It sounds like an absolutely amazing experience. Um, Edgar, I would love to hear from the high school student perspective. What was your experience like? Hi, Amy. Yeah. uh, So Elle and I are both part of our high school's health and medical occupations academy. 
So essentially what makes us uh, special from other schools is that at Dana Hills, we have this HMO program where we kind of have um, medical based teaching involved in our classes. So our freshman year we have um, in our normal biology class, we have every Monday uh, guest speakers coming in. So then we're able to kind of uh, get a feel for the medical field, ask some questions, you know, start to get involved. And then our sophomore year, uh, we have to take a specialized health class. And then that specialized health class is we, we cover the uh, required six months of health. But then the second semester, uh, we learn about taking vitals, um, basic, pay, uh, basic patient care, so that our junior year, we're prepared for um, an internship at our local hospital, uh, Kaiser. And so at Kaiser, uh, we interned through cardiology units, through neurology, and different things like that. But unfortunately, because of COVID, that kind of got, you know, shut down. Um, but I'm actually, I feel really fortunate that um, my teacher was able to find the Global Brigade's Telesquad program. And so she looked kind of for a good way to us, for us to kind of get involved and uh, continue. So she found the program and I've had the opportunity to learn virtually in Honduras, Ghana, and Greece. Wow. Wow. <laughs> um, so Elle is also um, part of your part of your squad. Elle, can you share with us kind of what impact this program has had on you? Yes, thank you, Amy. Um, this program definitely has had a humongous impact on me. And with Telesquads, we've been able to complete more than 60 hours of international volunteer work, which is something that would have never happened, actually, if COVID didn't happen. So that is one great thing that came out of COVID. And um, in these past three months, as Edgar's mentioned, We've virtually assisted in Honduras, Ghana, and Greece, and we've learned so much about each community we've served. And um, this program, yeah, it just really has had a huge impact on me. And I now know that I have the power to make meaningful change in the world because Telesquads really opened up my eyes and it allowed me to take a step out of the bubble that I live in here in Orange County. Um, and to see the healthcare needs in other communities. I witnessed firsthand that communities like these really do need global brigades and students like us to help them end the cycle of poverty. Because I truly think that everyone deserves healthcare regardless of where they live. And I was so proud I was a part of helping to provide that. That sounds amazing, Elle. Um, Edgar, I'd love to circle back to you um, and just hear a little bit more about, um, about your experience. Cool. Yeah, so um, essentially how the Global Brigades program has worked is we log on to our laptops twice a week for about two hours and then have Zoom meetings with the local Global Brigade staff and community members. And there we kind of learn about the community and the culture and what their health care is like. We've taken live stream tours down the main street and inside the clinics. And then my favorite part has always been uh, the clinic days where we've been able to observe doctors and uh, talk 
to uh, patients. And then uh, specifically in each program in Honduras, we talked about the lack of infrastructure in terms of healthcare and water. In Ghana, we dug deeper and learned about the different private sectors of health, the public and private sectors of health. And in Greece, we've talked about topics such as the refugee crisis and and the humanitarian efforts to support them. And in all three programs, I've learned about the devastating world issues, but have grown incredibly grateful for programs like these that have made such a large impact on communities around the world. Um, Edgar, L., it sounds like you guys have had an amazing experience through Global Brigades. Um, we're going to take another quick break, and then when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation. We're going to talk to um, Dr. Vora a little bit more about service learning and how that supports this program. So stay with us on the power of young people to change the world. Voice American Empowerment Radio will be right back. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. For nearly 40 years, the Minnesota-based National Youth Leadership Council has worked globally to transform classrooms, empower teachers, and captivate students by leading the way in providing high-quality, dynamic service learning content to school districts, classrooms, after-school programs, and everything in between. NYLC accelerates student achievement by strengthening academic, civic, and character outcomes through service learning. They tap into the passion, creativity, and ingenuity of all young people to make meaningful change happen. NYLC offers a variety of paths to reach service learning excellence through membership, its annual spring national service learning conference, customized professional development, tools, resources, and soon to be released, Getting Started in Service Learning, a book designed for teachers ready to lead the way to address real-world issues with all young people, inspiring them to serve, learn, change the world. Visit nylc.org to learn more today. What's the difference between leaders who achieve exceptional results with ease and those who struggle to keep up? Tune in for Leading on Purpose with Nicole Bendeley. You'll discover the simple practices that are making the biggest difference to a leader's success today. You'll meet leaders who are bringing out the best in their teams. You'll gain practical strategies to lead yourself and others to high performance with ease. Leading on Purpose airs live Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to The Power of Young People to Change the World with Amy Muirs. To find out more about Amy and the National Youth Leadership Council, please visit nylc.org. Now back to the show. So welcome back, everyone. If you're just joining us, today we're discussing how students at Global Brigades are using service learning to address health and economic disparities in countries across the globe. And Dr. Vora, I would love um, for you to share, you touched on this a little bit, but how is service learning supporting your program? 
Absolutely. So we've developed an entire service learning curriculum that is centered around our holistic model, which is providing the communities with access to healthcare, with clean water, and to capital. So at the middle school and high school level, what we're doing is we're working directly with teachers and providing that service learning instruction that's within the classroom. So students, for example, that are interested in a healthcare track, they're attending the real life clinic days, they're listening to doctors consult with patients and participating in that health consultation. And then business students or business classes that are interested in that track, they're helping directly develop business plans for local entrepreneurs. So they're actually acting as very impactful consultants. And then our STEM and engineering focused students, what they're doing is that they're helping design and create water systems so that we can ensure that those communities have access to fresh, clean water. So it's really community building from a holistic sense. But what's really exciting is that it's really community building amongst all of the students, which is what you just heard from Edgar and Elle's experience. And I, I do want to note that it's not just limited to students that are following these specific tracks. Any student can really get involved. We have college kids from every single major under the sun, and we have everything from Spanish class to, class to history class participants doing the high school squad level uh, programs. It's absolutely, talk about real world learning, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> let's take this and put it in a real world context, and, and young people are seeing how they're changing the world. So it's just phenomenal. Um, Zach, I was I was hoping you could talk more about the community involvement. So Dr. Vora talked about um, teaching to fish, providing the boat and the pole and teaching the fish. How are the community um, involved in your projects? I think the best example of community involvement on the business side with us was um, with the community bank. Um, three women in the community took on the challenge of running the bank when it was founded, to my knowledge, just because it was something that they felt passionate about and would help their community. And that was years before we arrived. I believe we were in the fifth year of the community bank existing, and they'd volunteered their time and energy over the years to make it successful and to just give back to their community. Um, and when we arrived, we asked them to alter what they were doing to input all their records on a computer not on um, paper anymore. And they took us at our word and welcomed the changes with open arms. Um, they worked hard to learn how to use the Microsoft Office programs. Um, they helped us with that transition and conducting that audit. So they were sitting right there with us as we were going through the books. Um, and they were just, you know, right there by our sides, the entire brigade making it the best experience for us and for them. Um, you, you, kind of answered this, but I'm wondering what changes you saw um, by the end of the project. Yeah, so if I can talk a little bit about the changes specifically for like the micro enterprises, the small businesses we were working with, um, you know, things like creating social media profiles in order to get, in, get the word out about their businesses. Um, we, we worked with them to calculate which products were most profitable, organize sales routes. Um, one woman in particular made several food products and um, we worked with her to calculate how much she was making on each product. And she just was not making a profit on one of them. And so we advised her to just stop making that. Um, another group in our brigade worked with a man who had sold handmaids to his local community 
um, and tourists just passing through. And he primarily needed to improve his accounting principles. He had a really good business model. He made sales, but he didn't really keep any records. Um, and so by the end of the brigade, there was there's like a cultural exchange day where community members can come and kind of showcase and sell their products um, to those on the brigade. He was sitting there with every sale and utilizing those concepts that he learned over the course of the week to record the sales. Um, and the last thing I want to share, I, I mentioned previously the community education tea building workshop um, that we put on for whoever in the community just wanted to attend. Um, it was really interesting to see the change just over the course of that hour um, within the workshop. So at the start, many of the community members and specifically the men um, who we believe were just kind of dragged along by their wives were really, really skeptical of what we were doing. Um, they didn't want to be there. They saw the activities we were doing, which was uh, building like a, a tower out of household materials. Um, they saw it as childish and beneath them. But over the course of the hour, and we brought in a little element of competition, those same men became the most excited about the activity, um, the, the builders in their community. And so they were able to see um, sort of like a need or uh, a chance where they could showcase their skills. And they really jumped at it and became really passionate about what we were doing. That's really exciting. And what an opportunity to, to share what your skills and your expertise and to see that come to life in someone else. Um, I'm, I'm wondering, Edgar, I'm going to ask you, um, what, was there anything that really surprised you about your experience, something unexpected or that you just, that when you reflect back, you know, kind of jumps out to you? When I first hopped onto this uh, Global Brigade's journey, uh, at first I was really surprised at the ambitious goal to empower over a hundred rural communities all over the world. It, in my head, it was just, wow, like I can't imagine that there's people like this uh, so many amazing people like willing to kind of put their, dedicate their, their time and their effort to provide healthcare and infrastructure to struggling communities. And then because of that, um, we've already seen a great impact um, and stark changes in rural poverty. And it's also been um, unimaginable kind of to see all of the uh, issues in these countries. Like you see it on TV and you see it on the news. But until you visited in person or virtually, you don't really understand what the people are going through and kind of what's going on. And um, with the aid that we've kind of given and the aid that Global Brigade has, um, it's just it's crazy to see how little they actually need from us in order to make those things a reality. For instance, I um, on one of our clinic days, a woman came in with a vision problems. So typically here in the United States. Um, if you're having some sort of vision problem, um, you're sent to an optometrist and then uh, you get fitted for glasses. And then uh, in an hour, you, you have glasses and you can see clearly. Right. But in places like Ghana or places like uh, Honduras, um, we have women with vision problems and they're, um, they're not able to see. They're not able to really kind of do their work and they, they don't have anyone to go to. They don't, uh, they don't have a physician's uh, office. There's no doctor's office at the corner of that street. So, and in, in that clinic, um, we were able to see a couple of those women kind of come in and be fitted for glasses. And it was, <laughs> it was just a really um, heartwarming thing to see. 
them getting their glasses and it's something that we would consider you know like something really uh minuscule and minimal but as they're putting it on they're smiling and it just kind of made me realize of all the things that we kind of take for granted and uh, i hope that one day even more countries will be touched by global brigade's kind and loving hands oh that's what an amazing story and that really touches on you know the heart of the program um, and what the the people that you're serving are really receiving from from you guys as students and and from the program itself. Elle, I'm wondering if you can share what you've gotten out of this experience. Yes, yeah, so I've definitely learned a lot about myself through this experience. And a big thing that I learned is that I have a passion to help. And so as the weeks progressed, and I learned more about Global Brigades, I realized that I want to become a full-time local staff member. But because of COVID and because I'm in high school, this won't happen for a while. But I think that it's a really big step that I now know that this is something I want to do. And um, I learned that it really, really bothers me that so many people don't have access to health care. But I realized it's in my power to do something about it. And leaving each telesquad session, I just felt so empowered. And I felt like I can make a difference. And I realized that I want to do everything in my power to increase the quality of life around the world. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah, you, um, amazing is what comes to mind. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I think um, before we go to break, I would love, Edgar, let's, let's um, have one more um, question with you about the community that you served and lessons that you've learned um, from and about the community you served. Yeah, so in Honduras, um, over 15% of the rural population doesn't have access to drinking water, healthcare professionals, or health facilities. So just breaking that down, the amount of people that uh, suffer from illnesses just because of the lack of uh, sanitation in the water systems is just, it's like, it shouldn't be something that, uh, you know, people are having uh, digestive problems. People are passing away because they don't have access to clean water. Mm -hmm. So that is just really sad to hear about. And then in Ghana, we've um, worked with a town of 4,500 people near the coast called Iesam. And their three biggest needs were working toilets, improvements to their health clinic, and educational scholarships for their young people. And so with that, um, we see another example of something that we kind of take for granted, like a working toilet. But these sanitation problems are kind of the central crux of their, um, of their problems with um, healthcare. And then again, um, when I found out that one of the things that they were searching for was uh, educational scholarships. It was just really touching to see that people, even in those situations, they understand that education is so important and that that's kind of one of the things that uh, they want for their younger uh, kids. 
And then in Greece, we learned about the refugee crisis and its impact on healthcare. Uh, the Global Brigade's Athens Clinic provides great healthcare to refugees, asylum seekers, and other vulnerable vulnerable people. The Global Brigade's clinic has given an immense relief to people who might not have been able to get healthcare without it. Wow, that's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, We're going to take one final short break, and then when we come back, we'll get some final reflections from our guests. So stay with me, Amy Muir's on the Power of Young People to Change the World. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. For nearly 40 years, the Minnesota-based National Youth Leadership Council has worked globally to transform classrooms, empower teachers, and captivate students by leading the way in providing high-quality, dynamic service learning content to school districts, classrooms, after-school programs, and everything in between. NYLC accelerates student achievement by strengthening academic, civic, and character outcomes through service learning. They tap into the passion, creativity, and ingenuity of all young people to make meaningful change happen. NYLC offers a variety of paths to reach service learning excellence through membership, its annual spring national service learning conference, customized professional development, tools, resources, and soon to be released, getting started in service learning. A book designed for teachers ready to lead the way to address real world issues with all young people, inspiring them to serve, learn, change the world. Visit NYLC lc.org to learn more today the future of online tv is here view exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else visit voiceamerica.tv today listening to the power of young people to change the world with Amy Muirs. To find out more about Amy and the National Youth Leadership Council, please visit nylc.org. Now back to the show. So welcome back, everyone. In our last few minutes together, I want to get some final reflections from our guests. So Dr. Vora, I want to start with you. Um, I'm really curious. Um, you've been with Global Brigades, for, um, you know, founding one of its um, original trips. What does success look like um, for Global Brigades, for for its students, and for the communities that you're serving? That's a great question, Amy. So first, let's start with the community component. We have clearly identified impact goals that we set up before we commit to helping that community. So in a general sense, the end goal for every community we serve is to ensure that it's hardworking and wonderful residents are becoming self-sustainable so that they have the right tools and they have the right knowledge to be able to maintain that access to healthcare, maintain the clean water that's coming within the community, and then be able to have that access to capital way long after that we've left. And um, I just wanna talk a little bit about in terms of capital, one of the resources that we offer as an organization is helping create community banking structures. So we talked about the 126 community banks that we've developed over the many years. It's incredible. Our data shows that we have a 99% non-default rate. 
So letting that sink in 99%, that is just so incredible and something that you don't hear about even in, you know, in where we live currently right now. I was going to say, could you imagine if that was here? <laughs> It'd be a whole different world, right, Amy? Yes, it would. Exactly. And, you know, and it's because these communities are so tight knit, they have each other's backs and no one wants to default on a loan and then leave their neighbors um, in a position where they're, you know, hanging or they're, you know, in a difficult situation. So we've created these banking structures to help the residents get off that horrible hamster wheel of huge interest loans that they can never pay back. And, you know, just a very short example is, um, you know, we have a like a coffee bean farmer in Honduras. They, he needs capital to buy the seat. But before the community banks were in place, his only choice was to borrow from the very person who sold him his seat at 100 or 200% interest rate. He had absolutely no other choice. So then when the harvest season would come, he would then sell his beans to the very per- same person that charged him his huge interest rate and when he was buying his seat. So that farmer is probably only making pennies on the dollar, if anything at all. So now with the position of having a community bank in that community, that same farmer is now able to garner a low interest loan to purchase his seed. And then he can really bid out his beans to the highest price. And then what we've done and together, right, with the community is that we've broken that cycle of predatory lending. And then now the farmer has options that he never knew that he had. So from a community sense, that's one example of what success looks like. And then for students, I I really feel that Zach, Edgar, and Elle summed it up so well that a Global Brigades experience is just truly life-changing. And, you know, I know it it was for me. And I just have a really short story that I wanted to share to talk about that is I was on my second brigade in Honduras in this community called Los Limones. And it's a a beautiful community full of trees and, uh, you know, and they... um, we were what we were doing down there is we were setting up a medical brigade for two days. And right when we got there, there was a long line of community members and the line was weaving through the trees and everyone was waiting and anxious and just so hopeful to see a doctor. And for some, it was the first time that they've ever seen a doctor in, in their life. So, you know, when we got to the line, we noticed in the middle of the line, there was a young woman and she was holding a, a very small baby. And you know, we asked her, how old was the baby? And, you know, she very timidly responded that this baby was about two days old. So just a newborn, right? A baby was just born a couple days ago. So we quickly moved her out of the sun and right into the front of the line. And we were still setting up the clinic. So I sat down with her and I talked to her for a little bit. And what I learned from her is that she had walked for an hour to the clinic site with her newborn baby just days after giving birth. And in our conversation, she also opened up and she shared that it was her very first child and that, you know, as a new mother, she was nervous and she was overwhelmed. And, um, and she just walked all this way because she wanted the baby to be seen by a doctor. And that was a very unique circumstance in that community to even have that doctor present. So um, she just wanted to make sure the baby was healthy. And so we got the baby to see the doctor. And of course, thankfully, the mother and the baby were doing just fine. And when she received that doctor's consultation, you can see, you know, her face relax and her shoulders relax. You know, everybody was doing healthy and just fine. And, you know, throughout the rest of the day, she and I found time to continue that meaningful conversation. We talked about life. We talked about what my life was like, what her life was like, and things that we were hoping for and everything in between. So, 
you know, before we left the clinic, um, I, you know, she, I, I realized she was kind of back in line. And at first I was excited to see her, but then I was also a little bit worried, you know, is she okay? Is the baby okay? You know, just, you know, why did she return? And, um, you know, and what I, what I, what she came up to me and she asked me, you know, Hey, can you write your name down on this piece of paper? And I absolutely did. And I asked her, sure, you know, but, but why would you want me to write my name down? And she shared that she was just so grateful that we had met, that we had talked, especially at a time where she was just so overwhelmed being a new mother and her conversations and the sense that, you know, somebody was thinking and thinking of her and spending time with her, just put her at ease. And she wanted me to write my name because she wanted to know how to spell it because she was just so impacted by our connection and our friendship and our encounter that she wanted to name her baby after she thought after my name. And I was just blown away. And even just 16 years later, I still get so emotional telling that story. And I wanted to share that story because Global Brigades is offering students a look at different cultures. We're allowing students to be completely immersed in a community and truly feel the impact that they're making. And what I often hear from students is that their experiences with Global Brigades has even a greater impact on them. And that story about the mother and the baby is just living, breathing proof of that. And we just really hear hundreds of stories of like that, like that on, you know, from all the volunteers that have participated in our programs. That's absolutely amazing. And I just, I have to say thank you, Dr. Bora, for your, for sharing your knowledge and your expertise with with our listeners today for all the great work that you and your team are doing to support young people in their learning and leadership while they're transforming our global communities. It is truly remarkable work. I wanna thank um, Edgar and Elv um, for everything that you're doing. It's so inspiring. And I hope that you continue to find those opportunities to serve and learn as you finish your high school careers and look towards college. And of course, Zach, um, thank you for everything that you and your chapter of Global Brigades are doing. Um, I think that you're giving every college student something truly remarkable to aspire to. If you want to learn more about Global Brigades and how you can get involved, um, check out their website at globalbrigades.org. It's amazing. You can see all the, the facts and things that we talked about today. There's some great articles, and you can see the different countries that they're working in. So go, ahead, go online, check them out. Um, next week, we're going to have another great show for you. I'm going to be joined by high school student Chloe Johnson. Chloe started a state chapter of Bye Bye Plastic Bags, a global movement to reduce plastic waste that started in Indonesia in 2013 and is now in over 50 teams um, across the globe. So um, join me um, next week so we can hear Chloe's journey. Mark your calendars for Thursday at 6 o'clock Eastern. And until next week, please join us in as we serve, learn, change the world. See you next week. Thank you for tuning in this week to the power of young people to change the world. Your host, Amy Muirs, will return for another program next Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Together, we'll serve, learn, change the world.